Hello there, my name is Joshua David and in today's podcast you're going to listen about Lord Jesus Christ, how he ministered to us as a bridegroom, what are the things that he accomplishes for us as a bridegroom. You know, when Jesus came 2000 years ago on the planet earth, he came as Messiah, but when he went back to heaven, he went back as our high priest. And one day we know that he's going to come back to take his bride. And in this message, you're going to listen and see what he achieves for us as a bridegroom. So enjoy as you listen to this podcast and may your life never be the same again. In Jesus name. Amen. Understanding. Can we properly honor and welcome Joshua David? Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm so grateful to you. I just need to get the mic sorted. Can you hear me? Fantastic. What a joy it is to be with you this morning. And it's always been very, very refreshing for my wife and I that every time God opens door for us to come to meet the family out here, we go back refreshed. Our hearts are full of gratitude, not just to see what Lord is doing in midst of you, but to see that your faith in the Lord is so contagious, that your worship in the Lord is so contagious. And we take it as our esteemed privilege and honor to be able to worship the Lord with you all. I want to also tell you that, you know, the body of Christ in India, uh, Upper Room India is praying for you. And... Um, I bring greetings from Upper Room India to everyone here. And I'm just praying that God will open doors and opportunity for you all to come and visit us by this year, that God will do great, awesome things. Amen? Amen. Well, I just want to dive in in today's word. And the word that was in my heart was about, we have often learned this expression about bridal love for the bridegroom. But I felt that the Lord wanted to show and reveal to us the bridegroom's love for the bride. So it's not just like, you know, how we are loving him. It's how he has loved us as a bridegroom. You know, and every facet of his love is very amazing and very different. You can know him as master. You can know him as elder brother. You can know him as father. His name is everlasting father. You can know him as friend. You can know him as a bridegroom. And this morning, my prayer is that as we look into the Word of God, what Bible tells us about how He loved His people, how He loves you and I, that it will break every chain of abandonment in your mind. It will break every chain of shame and guilt in your mind. It will break everything that becomes a barrier to enjoy that love that comes from Him so freely. So this morning I believe that Holy Spirit is going to do something so amazing that we will behold him in such a manner that we would know in the fire of his love, my frailties dissolve. They don't mean anything when I meet his passionate love. I wonder how would it be when John the Baptist one day was doing all his incredible ministry. As usual, there were crowds around him. And suddenly, he looks at a man walking in. Now, John has been used to looking at thousands of people every day. And yet, in midst of that crowd, when he saw this one individual whose name was Jesus, Bible declares that he looked at him and declared, Behold, the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sins of the world. I wonder, no one has preached to John that this is the guy. No one I'm told. But John says, Father revealed it to me. You know, you can know him in the crowds only by the revelation of the Father. Thank you so much. Only when Father reveals us. John chapter 6 verse 44 says, No man can come to Christ unless Father who sent him draws him near to him. And this morning I believe that Father is drawing his people to his groom. He's, He's bringing his people to Jesus Christ. I wonder, next day John sees Jesus Christ and suddenly there is another revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, they have come and the people came and asked John, John, what would you say about yourself? Are you the Messiah? And John says, no, I'm not the Messiah. I'm the friend of the bridegroom. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. And he's pointing towards Jesus, that Jesus is the bridegroom. Even before Jesus has started doing anything. He has not started doing his public ministry yet. And yet we discover that John is full of this revelation about this Messiah. He knows him as Messiah. He knows him as bridegroom. And it's incredible to know that when John looks at him, there is this heavenly revelation on John's heart and saying, he is the one who has the bride. Now what was John really referring to when he said he is the one? He is the bridegroom. I think he was referring to Ezekiel chapter 16. And he was referring that now Ezekiel chapter 16 will come to pass. Let's open our Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 16. And we're going to read a few verses from chapter 16, verse number 1 to 14. And look into what the bridegroom's love is all about. You know, it's amazing because the Old Testament... Is concealed in New Testament, and New Testament is revealed in Old Testament. It's, it's a wonderful integrated message system. When you study the Word of God, you know, you can find Jesus all throughout the Scriptures. Because every Scripture points towards Him. From the Old Testament till the New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation, every Scripture has one purpose, and the purpose is to point to Him. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 16. Can I have it on screen, please? The word says, again, the word of the Lord came to me. I like this start. Chapter 16 starts with first word saying again. Can you repeat this word after me? Say again. Again. That tells me that God has a nature. He's persistent. If he has done it once, he will do it again. The Bible declares here that again the word of the Lord came. And I have this in my heart. I feel there are people around in this room this morning who feel that there was a time where God would speak to them spectacularly. There was a season where dreams and visions were easy. There was a season where they were hearing from heaven very easily. But now something happened and it feels that there is this silence. It looks like My neighbor is hearing him. My pastor is hearing him. Worship team is hearing him. But I am here and I'm not able to tap into his now word. Is there anyone here like that? Yeah, I can see some hands come up. Let me tell you, my friend. The Bible says, again, the word of the Lord came. And I prophesy upon your life that that again is going to happen in the name of Jesus. If he did it once, he will do it again. If he has spoken to you once, he will speak to you again. 
my friend, it is, not depend, it is not really dependent on you. You know, sometimes we don't understand what silence is about. When heavens became silent, the earth thought that God has lost interest on the planet between Malachi chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 1. There is a huge period of silence and God has not spoken at all to anyone. Now rituals were going on. High priest was continuing to doing what he did, but nobody heard a rima word from the Lord. And in that period of silence, when everyone was just silent and everybody felt that God has turned away from the planet, God was actually thinking about going into the planet and talking to them face to face. So he spoke through the prophet for a long time, and then comes this period of silence, but now he speaks to us with son. It's so beautiful that happens in the scripture is that suddenly one day Zechariah gets a prophetic uh, 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 encounter with angel. And that angel comes and says, Zechariah, you'll be, you'll bear a son. Your wife will bear a child. And it's amazing that he was, he became mom. You see, when God spoke first, he was speaking, God was silent. Then when God spoke, he's silent. <laughs> <coughs> Let me tell you, my friend, we just need to know once we belong to Christ, even the silence is powerful. Yeah, we, we have a problem to misinterpret God's silence. We think if he's silent, he is upset. But the truth is, whenever he goes silent, he's about to surprise you. His silence is to surprise you with an extravagant goodness that you have never experienced. All throughout the Bible times, when you study, whenever God kept silent, you look at what he does after that. And it's mind-blowing what he does after that. Angel comes to Joseph and Mary and declares that they will be blessed with the son. Call him Jesus. He will be Emmanuel, God with us. Wow. It's amazing that when heavens opened up and the Lord began to speak, this time it was face to face when Jesus was speaking. My friend, let me pray for those people who have been having a hard time and, you know, going through this period of silence. Can you all stand up on your place? If you have been that person who has been struggling and you feel that there was a season in your life where you were on fire, but now something has gone cold and you don't know how to process it and you're hanging it out there. Bible says, Isaiah says, who among you is that who has the light, but he walks in darkness? Now think what Isaiah is saying. You have the light, but you're walking in darkness. He said, let him continue to walk in it because at the end, Lord will show himself merciful. So let me tell you, my friend, you have the light. It seems that you're walking through darkness. Continue to walk. At the end of that tunnel, there is going to be light. So let me pray with you all. Father, I thank you for this moment right now. Holy Spirit, Ezekiel said, the word of the Lord came to me again. And Father, I release that word upon this house in the name of Jesus. May your word come and meet us at the point of our need again this morning. In the name of Jesus, and Lord, in the name of Jesus, every feeling of despair and distant from you, which is a lie from enemy, in the name of Jesus be gone. That Lord, we as the body of Christ will come closer to you, Lord, as never before. 
I thank you, Daddy, that you are ministering to your children. In Jesus' name, rekindle that fire for you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give a clap offering to the Lord. So let's go to Ezekiel chapter 16. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her abominations. And say, thus said the Lord God to Jerusalem, your birth and your nativity was from the land of Canaan. Your father was an Amorite and your mother a Hittite. And as for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut nor were you washed in water to cleanse you. You were not rubbed with salt, nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. Think about it. Lord is saying, hey child, the day when you were born, something happened. What happened? Nobody had compassion on you. Nobody gave you a wash. Nobody cut your umbilical cord. And you were just like an outcast. You were not even rubbed with salt or wrapped in a swaddling clothes. Think about it. It's like the child, when the child was born, the mother did not want it. Your umbilical cord was not cut. This scripture actually talks about that when we were born, you know what happened? Our umbilical cord was not cut with the world. In the nature, in the natural, when we were born, we were born under the law in the sin. I am not sinner because I commit sin, but because I was born in sin, I commit sin. See, we all are sinner because Adam committed sin. Bible says by one man's disobedience, all men became sinners. Now listen, when I, I, I was born in flesh, I was not born free, I was born bound. I was in my blood. I was in a hopeless and a miserable condition and there was no hope for my life. Imagine the child whose navel cord was not cut, meaning the child is born but is still breathing because of his mom. And the Bible declares that when we were born under the law, our life was dependent on fulfilling the law. If I didn't do it right, I died. Everybody under the law was guilty of sin and was Reserved for punishment, there was no hope. And this is what the Bible declares, that my umbilical cord was not cut. I was alien to the promises of the Lord. I was alien to the goodness of God. I was alien from what God could do in my life. I was just surviving in the way I could. I was just an infant. Verse number five declares us something even amazing. It says, no, I pitied you. Think about it. No, I pitied you. Meaning there was no one who could have compassion on me. When I was living under the law, when I was bound in sin, when I was, when all of my nutritions came from the law, where everything that law was supplying me, I was living by it. Bible says nobody had compassion on you. Because the law taught eye for eye and tooth for tooth. It only taught us to take vengeance. It never taught us how to forgive. It never taught us how to be merciful. It never taught us how to be loyal. It never taught us how to be faithful. It only told us what not to be done. But it didn't empower us to do it. And the Bible says no one had compassion on you, but you were thrown out into the open field. 
when you yourself were loath on the day you were born. Our condition was it would have been better for us not to be born. Because we were born under the law and there was no hope for us. Now look what happens next. The good news is, and when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood. Think about it. When I was in my fallen nature, in my fallen condition, no one pitied on me. Nobody had to do anything with me. The Bible declares that my God, there was someone who passed by me. He didn't ignore me. When I was fallen in the sin nature, when I was hopeless and miserable, somebody came. Think about it, that he passed by. He came close and he saw. You know, what, what caused him to see me? Was it my prayer? Was it that child's prayer? We don't see that child do anything. Nobody had compassion on you. Most probably the child was just groaning or crying. We don't know. But one thing, we know one thing. That even the child didn't do anything appropriate, the Bible declares that it captured the attention of someone who came near. We have this false idea that a certain kind of prayer will attract God's attention to me. And a certain kind of song will attract God to me. Or a certain kind of posture will attract God to me. No, my friend, when my navel cord was not broken, when I was still in my blood, when I was just struggling by my own self, when I was in sin with no hope at all, he came. What attracted him first to me? What attracted Jesus to me on the world? The Bible declares that we all have committed sin and have fallen short of the glory of the Lord. But isn't it amazing that in the right time, even though I was fallen short of the glory of God, he showed up. And the Bible says here that when I passed by you and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you, in your blood, live. (coughs) Excuse me. I looked at you and I said this one word, live. My friend, let me tell you one thing. One word from his mouth is enough to settle me in any situation. He looked at my condition, I was miserable. Think about a child whose umbilical cord is not broken, he's in blood, he's thrown in the field. You know, I don't know if you have seen anything, but I once had an opportunity to visit an orphanage where all the children were children which were picked up from the rat places or, or in the bushes, you know, whose parents had thrown them when they were born and rescuers had found them. We saw some children's fingers were eaten by ants, some ears were eaten by dogs, you know, and somehow they were rescued. She was in her blood, thrown on the wayside. No beast ate her. She survived, you know why? Because somebody looked at it and said, live. Your circumstances may be so miserable that people, those who look at you, think, I wonder how they survive. Your marriage may have come into such a difficult position that people, those who look at from outside, they would say, I wonder how they are doing. Let me tell you one thing, because the one has said, live, you will come through that circumstances. 
It does not require a whole mess message to change your mess. It's just one word from his mouth. It's enough. He looked at her and said, live. And when he declared live, things changed. See what happened. Yes, I said to you, in your blood, live. Listen, up until now, his blood has not taken over. We were still in our blood. And he said, live. You would wonder why you were in the company of drug addicts and you took so much of drugs, they died and you didn't. You were in the company of criminals, they, they were arrested and you didn't. You did something so horrible and other people faced very difficult circumstances, but you were spared. You know why? Because there was someone who looked at you and said, live. You are not here by an accident, my brother. You're not here by an accident, my sister. It is by the divine plan and precision because he declared upon your life, live. When I think about my life, he looked at me and said, live. When I was making horrible choices, I shouldn't have been alive today. Either I would have murdered someone or someone would have murdered me. I come from that kind of background. But you know what? Gracious Lord looked at me and said, live. No wonder that medical report tells you, you may not have a lot of time, but the gracious one looks at you and say, live. The Bible says, he said, in your own blood, live. Then guess what happens? Verse number seven. I made you thrive like a plant in the field. Now think about it. When he said, live, then what he did? He made you thrive like a plant. He made you successful in what you were doing. Now you have not known him yet. You're still in your own blood. And see what is happening. But I made you thrive like a plant in the field and you grew and matured and became very beautiful. Your breasts were formed, your hair grew, but you were still naked and bare. Think about it. You were still naked and bare. That means the glory of Lord had not covered you. The robe of righteousness did not come upon you. You were still living your own life in your own blood in the way you wanted, but still God was taking care of you and establishing you. See what happens next. When I passed by you again, I love that. The Bible says, I spoke to you again, I looked at you, I did this, and then I passed by you again. Hallelujah. My friend, you may think about my relative have left me, my boyfriend have left me, my girlfriend have left me, anybody have left me. Let me tell you there is someone who will never leave you. He will come again and 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 again until he gets you to where he wants you to be. Because he is not giving up on you. You know one thing Lord, Lord taught me. He said, son, your sin is powerless to change my heart. Your sin can harden your heart for me, but your sin cannot touch my heart against you. My sin is powerless to change his devotion for me. I realize that truth about his love. Why he hates sin is because it hardens my heart and hampers my ability to come near to him. That's why he hates sin. 
And he says, son, that's not you. It doesn't alter his heart. The Bible says, when I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed, your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you. Now, up until verse number seven, we see Jesus' ministry as Messiah. That he came, he gave his life so that we may live. You know, Satan comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life in abundance. So we see uh, the first portion of Ezekiel 16 from one to seven, Jesus is described as Messiah who comes and because of him, we live. We get life. Now from verse number eight, he's described as the bridegroom. Think what happens here. Now in verse number eight, the Bible says, when I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine, says the Lord. You know, when Adam and his wife were naked in, in Genesis chapter 3, the Bible declares that God covered their nakedness with the skin of an animal. But you know what? The good news for you and I is our nakedness is not covered by the skin of an animal. Our nakedness is covered by him. The Bible says, I spread my wings over you and covered your nakedness. Think about it. Enemy does not get to see you anymore because you are covered. That's why Bible says, he who has taken baptism has put on Christ. That's why Bible says that no longer I live, but now my life, I am dead in Christ, but my life is hid in him. In Colossians chapter 3, verse number 1 to 3, the Bible says that we are hid in him. Apostles said it this way, that we live and have our being in him. We live and move and have our being in him. When we are in Christ, something unusual happens. We are covered in his wings. Now, if you study Bible carefully, you will discover something that when the Ark of the Covenant was there, there was all these ingredients in the Ark of the Covenant that we see the manna that came from heaven was kept there, the rod that was resurrected was there, and also the 10 tablets, uh, the, the tablets of stone on which 10 commandments were written was there. And above that was the mercy seat. And mercy seat was covered by the feathers, right? And it's amazing to me that the Lord says, you know what? What I did there with the Ark of Covenant, I'm going to do it with you. I cover you with my feathers. My friend, he's covering you and I. He covers us. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you and you became mine. That's entering into marriage covenant. Now think about it. <coughs> Excuse me. He entered into the mar marital covenant first and then what happens? Next verse. Then I washed you in water. Listen. He didn't wash her in water First, he entered into covenant with her and because he accepted her and said, you are mine, now I will start cleansing you. But the religion has taught us that until and unless you're clean, he will not receive you. 
But Ezekiel tapped into something in the days of the law that the spirit of the Lord came upon Ezekiel and told Ezekiel, Ezekiel, the days are coming where my acceptance is not based on what I do. My acceptance is based on his love. I was still in my blood. I was still in my rubbish. I was still in my sinful nature. Nothing good was there in me. And yet he came with his feathers and engulfed me and he hid me in him. And not only that, the Bible declares he entered in a covenant with me. He promised, he pledged a vow with me. He became my husband. And once he became my husband, now he began to wash me of every impurity. Never think that your filthiness can keep him away. No, your filthiness cannot keep him away. He draws near and makes you pure. (laughs) For long enough, enemy have tried to keep us focused on our filthiness and say, you don't, you're not worthy of him. We have forgotten that the Messiah whom whom we, we call our Messiah, the Jesus who came and loved us is very strange. If you see in the Old Testament, If anybody was stricken with leprosy, and if they touched another person, that clean person would become unholy. Because a leprous person has touched him. And leprous person was supposed to be an unclean, and and he has to announce to everybody, I'm unclean, so that people stay away from him. Because anybody comes close enough to him, then what happens is his uncleanness is contagious, and the pure person becomes unclean. That's what law did. But with Jesus, it is a different story. When a leprous person came to Jesus, the Bible declares that Jesus touched him. And when Jesus touched him, Jesus did not become unclean. That leprous man became clean. My friend, let me tell you, Jesus is not scared of our filthiness. If I learn to run to him with my mess, you know, he's going to come with an outstretched arms and receive me. And his love will start cleansing me. The Bible says, I wash you with water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood. This is the first time that he begins to wash off your blood. Think about it. I thoroughly washed your blood and I anointed you with my oil. How amazing it is that he starts preparing his bride after he has married her. The world has taught us, unless you're ready, you cannot be received. And we come up with scripture, look at five virgins were foolish and they could not go because they were not ready. Hey, reread Ezekiel 16, she was not ready and yet he took her in. What is that 10 virgin parable is about what Jesus is saying? Jesus is basically saying... Daughters, you cannot prepare yourself by your own method. You have to trust my grace to do it for you. So don't go into the world to make yourself acceptable to me. Don't go buying oil from the world. You have to to come to me and let me do it for you. And this is incredible that he says, I wash you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed you of your blood. I like this scripture passage. If you would come with me to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. Especially we're going to read this in um, Passion Translation, if possible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 25 to 27. See, the ministry of the bridegroom is given there. 
Paul is writing to the church of Ephesians. He's saying, to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us. See what is he saying? With the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride, for he died for us, sacrificing himself. Next verse. To make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. You see, how did Jesus cleanse his bride? By giving her the word. The Bible says that he cleanses us through the showering of the pure water of the word of God. Come back to Ezekiel chapter 16. What do you find here? He says, that the scripture says that I washed you. Verse number nine. Ezekiel 16 verse number nine. See what Bible says. Ezekiel 16 verse number nine. Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed you off your blood and anointed you with your oil. I clothed you with embroidery cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. Think about all that he is doing. He gave us that cloth. You know, sometimes we don't understand. Let's read Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 10. And Bible tells us what that garment is about. Isaiah 61, verse number 10. If you can come with me to your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 61, verse number 10. This is what he says. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Hallelujah. What does Bible say? He clothed me with the garments of salvation. That tells me one thing. Why is he even interested to give me salvation? Answer is because he's in love with me and he has intention to spend eternity with me. That's why I get born again. That's why he comes again and again. That's why he says live. That's why enemy is not able to take my life away. Why? Because I belong to him even before I believe in him. We think I belong to him because I believe in him. No, my brother, you belong to him even before you believe in him because he is in love with you. The Bible says here, he gave me the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Think about it. As the bridegroom decks himself and the bride adorns herself, Bible says, he has given me garments of righteousness. He has given me garments of salvation. And that's what Ezekiel is tapping into and Ezekiel is saying, hey, you know one thing, when I was naked, he came and he covered me with his feather and then he gave me embroidery cloth. He gave me a multicolor coat. He covered my nakedness. He gave me the robe of righteousness. And guess what happens? Ezekiel uh, chapter 16, verse number 10 onwards. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelet on your wrist and a chain on your neck. And I put a jewel in your nose, earring in your ear and a beautiful crown on your head. Keep going. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen, silk and embroidery cloth. 
You ate pastries of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded to royalty. Hallelujah. Do you see the journey from abandonment, from thrown off in the field, from being there in the blood, Jesus takes us from that position and makes us royalty. That is what Jesus did for you and I. It's so beautiful that we have a new husband who cares for us, who builds us, who adorns us, who satisfies our need. He puts a crown on our head. He gives us, he dresses us like royalty, like no other. And yet in our mind, we are so alien from his love that we continue to focus on our pitfalls. But the Lord is not focused on what, you see in Ezekiel chapter 16, there is only one response this woman has is she allows him to do whatever he wants to do. There is no conversation, no dialogue, nothing. (coughs) Excuse me. If you open Hosea chapter two, verse number 19 and 20, this is what the Lord said, I will betroth you for me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and in loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Wow. How will I know the Lord? Not in his vengeance, not in his anger, not in his, 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 his anger, but I'm going to know him in his compassion, in his faithfulness, in his love. Because if I don't know him like that, I will never be changed inside out. You know, something amazing happens when you study the scripture in Ezekiel. If you come back, verse number 14. What happened when when he dealt with her and changed her attire? She became beautiful. And the Bible says, your fame went out among the nations because because of your beauty. And it was perfect through my splendor which I had bestowed on you. See, our beauty is perfect through his splendor. It is not through our splendor. It is through his splendor that I became beautiful and I became famous and globally people begin to recognize us. Upper room, if today globally people are recognizing you, it's because of his splendor upon your life. And once we have that, but see what happens to this woman. Next verse, she deviates from his love. The Bible says, but you trusted in your own beauty, played the harlot because of your fame, and you poured out your harloty on everyone passing by who would have it. Sad picture. That even though the bridegroom had been so amazing to her and had loved her and accepted her in her mess and changed her life, she continued to go back into the old life. And she continued to mess up with everyone. And she was continually disloyal to the one who was loving. How often it happens with us when we become born again. We have given our life to Christ. He has loved us. He has changed everything. We understand the grace of God. And yet our heart is not loyal to him. And we continue to go wayward the way she went now everybody would say, if that she has done, you know, as, as a result of what she has done, she should be judged. She should be condemned because she was not loyal and faithful. But yet when we see in Ezekiel, the response that the bridegroom comes up with, it's stunning. 
Let me show you the response he comes up with. In chapter 16, verse number 60, you find how does the bridegroom respond to the disloyalty of his bride. In verse number 60, you will find this. He says, nevertheless, even though you have done all of this disloyalty to me, even though you have gone wavered from me, guess what I am going to do? Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with you in the days of your youth. So what is the word telling us? That the bridegroom who fell in love with us is committed to us. And he is not changing his heart concerning us. He said, yes, you have gone away from me. Yes, you have done what your flesh wanted you to do. Yes, you have, you have deceived me, but I will remember my covenant. So what is the response he has for a backsliding Christian? The response is, my covenant. Isn't it amazing the night he was betrayed, he entered into covenant? When people betray us, what's our response to them? Offense. But when Christ was betrayed, what was his response? Covenant. My friend, I want to tell you something. It's the covenant that he makes with us. He said, I will establish an everlasting covenant with you. Do you know his covenant is not based on your reactions or actions. His covenant is based on the condition of his heart. And he's faithful to it. Let me tell you one scripture. You know, we often think, oh, you know what? When Jesus is going to come, he's going to judge everyone. Let's, let's see what Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse number 27. It's an incredible passage that the writer of Hebrew wrote concerning the second coming of the Lord. This is what it says. And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Now, we all think about judgment that every human being will die once, and then what will happen? What will happen? Judgment. And we are scared of his second coming. But look what Bible says. It says, uh, let's, let's go ahead before this. It says... But after this, the judgment, verse number 28. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Can we read this in Passion Translation? See, I will show you how beautifully Passion Translation has translated this scripture passage. He said, but when we die, we will be face to face with Christ. A verse before this, in 27, he says, for man to die once and face judgment is kept, but to us. Meaning, what is it saying? He's saying, rest of the world will face judgment, but to us, there's going to be difference. You see, what's the difference here? He's saying that everyone will face judgment, but when we die, does that excite you? When we die, you know, we, we always have banked over 27th verse that says, for man wants to die and then judgment is kept. Every human being is appointed to die once and then to face God's judgment. And we put full stop there and we just stop there and saying, oh, one day I'm going to be judged. But the verse continues saying, but when we die, 
Meaning there is a distinction between us and rest of the human beings. Rest of the human beings will be judged. But when we die, guess what happens? When we die, we will be face to face with Christ. The one who experienced death once and for all to bear the sins of many. And now to those who eagerly await him, he will appear a second time not to deal with sin. But to bring us to the fullness of salvation. How beautiful that is. That this bridegroom is not coming to judge me. This bridegroom is coming to bring me to fullness of salvation. That's the good news. Why would he do that? Because the Bible says he remembers his covenant. He remembers his covenant. And that was the zeal that Paul had while writing to the church of Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 2 and 3. Let's read that. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 2 and 3. This is what is burning desire that Paul has about the church. And I pray the same verse upon your life. It says, now please bear with some of my craziness for a moment. Yes, please be patient with me. Next verse. You need to know that God's passion is burning inside me for you. Because like a loving father, I have pledged your hand in marriage to Christ, your true bridegroom. I have also promised that I would present his fancy to him as a pure virgin bride. How beautiful that is. That when he is coming... This is what the church elders are working towards, to present the church as a pure bride to Christ. How will that happen, my friend? Through covenant. Through covenant. And we are going to close this message in a moment, but I want to remind you that he has not forgotten his covenant. And therefore, you know, as we participate into covenant, I want you to take the cup that is somewhere on your chair, Think about when you pick up this cup that this is his body which is broken. He loves his bride to such an extent that he says, my commitment for you is not changing. He gave us this covenant. How does the bride prepare herself for his coming? By staying in this covenant. By continually reminding to your own self how much you have been loved. And look at this. The scripture says, he took the bread and broke it saying, it's my body broken for you. This morning I want to encourage you. In the light of Ezekiel chapter 16, would you see the divine exchange he wants to give us? So when you hold this bread and this juice... It's a reminder to you how much you have been loved and how much Lord has loved you. So this morning, would you take this one 60 seconds for yourself, close your eyes, and just a moment of gratefulness to Jesus. That our response is not going to be like the women in Ezekiel 16 who became wavered, but our response is going to be like Christ participating into his covenant. And expressing our love. So take this 60 second between you and Jesus.
Father, I thank you for these emblems of love, Lord, that are continual reminder of how much we have been loved. Your body was broken for us, O Lord, and your blood was shed for us, O God, that today we don't have to be in our own blood. We have been washed clean of our own blood, and we position ourselves in your blood, Lord. And by faith, O Lord, we eat of this bread and drink of this wine, proclaiming the gospel, O Lord. And I thank you that we are loved. So, Father, even as Jesus, you, the bridegroom, O Lord, have, have washed us thoroughly by bringing us the pure word and sprinkling that water on our conscience, this morning I pray that as we participate in the covenant, O God, let it bear fruit in us. And remove any kind of stumbling blocks from our mind and soul and spirit, O Lord, that hinders, her, uh, hinders us from enjoying that intimacy that you have for us this morning. And by faith in Jesus' name, we receive of this bread and drink of this cup. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there was time in my life where enemy had constantly accused me of saying that I was not good enough and worthy for him until one day, Lord opened up his love for me in such a magnificent way that I came up and I wrote up a song that Jesus, I belong to you. I want to end this message with that song for you all. Thank you. We'll play with C. and then I'll sit like this so that you can... We can go together. Thank you. Jesus, I belong to you. I belong to you. All of me. I belong to you I belong to you All of me Thank you Lord For the price that you paid For the blood on the cross That you shed Thank you Lord the price that you paid for the blood on the cross that you shed. Let's all sing this. Jesus, I belong to you. I belong to you, all of me. Jesus, I belong I belong to you, all of me. Thank you, Lord, for the price that you paid, for the blood on the cross that you shed. Thank you, Lord, for the price that you paid, for the blood. On the cross that you shed, 
belong to you. I belong to you. All of me. Come on, you can do it to the Lord. Jesus, I belong to you. I belong to you. All of me. Sing it by faith. Jesus, I belong to you. I belong to you, I belong to you, all of me. Once more, let's sing it to the Lord. the heaviest price for us and he's not turning away from us so my prayer is that you continue to enjoy what Lord has done and continue to abide in him in Jesus name Amen